I'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 10, and we're going to read verses 9 through 13 out of Romans chapter 10. Actually, I'm going to start just uh, briefly in verse 8 at the very end. And Paul is writing to the church at Rome, and he shares with them the following words. He says, this is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame, since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And may God bless the reading of his word today. Let's take a few moments to go to the Lord in prayer. Lift up our church, our church family, our government, our administration, and uh, just our world today that the gospel message might be spoken and proclaimed and that during this crisis and this time, that God's grace will be given to many people who will come to faith in Jesus Christ, not just because of the virus and its threats, but because also of the church who is willing to share the good news, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And you and I are the church, so let's ask God also to give us strength and encouragement and faith to share this gospel message with others. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that from the beginning of time you knew that we would need Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. You knew that we would need to hear the gospel, the good news. You knew that we would need to be redeemed from the bondage of sin. And the salvation that you have given to us through your grace in Jesus Christ is based upon Jesus' death and resurrection, your mercy and your grace, and him paying the penalty, penalty for our sins. And we thank you, Father, for that. But we come right now asking that we might be faithful in sharing that gospel message to a world that is struggling with fear, without hope, with frustration over this virus, this pandemic, Father, help us to reach out to others somehow in some way to tell them of the grace and mercy that Jesus has for us and for them. And help us, Father, just to help them see that the greatest of all things is the gospel message of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask, Father, that you will uh, help our country, our president, our administration, and the government to know how to help us throughout this time as we go through the process of re-entering into society and the economics. Uh, Father, that uh, we'll be able soon 
to worship together, to join together here in, in our church building as we gather, as we are the church gathering together. And we ask, Lord, that you will help keep us safe, but help us to have the encouragement and the excitement that comes by joining together and giving you praise and glory. Teach us now through the Holy Spirit how to share the gospel message. Help us to go to others and some way share with them the hope and the grace that we have in our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, for those in our church family who are sick and ill. We pray for family, friends, and neighbors, and others who have come down with this virus, some who have passed away. And we give you, Father, our hearts and lift up you and exalt you to seek encouragement from you because we know that you have us in your righteous right hand. We know that you are holding us. And through this time, we can trust in you and look forward, not only to the days when we can come together and worship, but also to the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, when I first became the interim, I suggested that I was going to do a series of sermon sermons called Standing in the Gaps or Standing in the Gap. And I preached on Ezekiel to talk about God looking for someone to stand in the gap, in the breach, and to be willing to fight and to stand strong and tall and and faithful for the Lord so that this church that God put here in tremendous ways years and years ago would continue to be a lighthouse. It would continue to be a faithful witness and a faithful testimony to Jesus Christ and what you've done, Father. Our God has done in Jesus Christ. And there are so many things in the history of this church that shows that God wanted a church family here in this location. One of the things that the church has continued to do is to share the gospel, to share what our faith is all about, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And in the series of sermons on standing in the gaps, I wanted to end up with the S, G-A-P-S-S, give, attend, pray, serve, which we talked about last Sunday, and then this Sunday, share. Now, we're, we're doing a little bit differently because right after I started the series, we wound up having the shelter at home uh, request, and we haven't been able to come together to attend. So I'm reserving the A, attending, for the time that we can get back into this church building that we've dedicated to the glory of the Lord, and have a tremendous and wonderful worship service together. But I wanted to fill up and finish out uh, the rest of the series, and we come to one today that also might seem to be a little bit more conducive and better understood when we were able to go out and meet people. But the truth of the matter is, thinking about this and studying about it, and using this time to discuss it and examine it is a good idea. So that when we're able to go out into the community, or as we think about ways to share the good news with others while we shelter at home, and then get ready to 
re-enter into the world after our sheltering at home, we'll have this foremost in our mind. We'll be able to think about how to do it. And we'll be prepared to do it by taking some training and taking uh, some lessons about why we share the gospel and how we share the gospel. So I hope that you'll get a notebook and a pen in your Bible and you'll get ready to write these things down. We're going to be sending out a bulletin, so they're on the bulletin. But you'll want to take notes and maybe even write down the pages in your Bible uh, where these verses are concerned because we're going to look at the Roman road to salvation and talk about all the things that pertain to the good news of Jesus Christ in order to share with others. Now, you can take some other lessons. There's, there's evangelism explosion, which is an old one in faith, and other types of programs that talk about how to share your faith. You can even participate as part of the evangelistic team. Here's the deal. If God is laid on your heart, a loved one, a friend, a neighbor, and you're not sure they know the Lord Jesus Christ, then the one thing that you can do is when we open up again for worship services, to invite them and to bring them to church and to get them here so they will hear the good news of Jesus Christ. They have to hear the gospel, whether you tell them or you participate with us as a church in sharing the gospel. Now, if they come to the Bible study time, they can hear the gospel. They come to the worship time, they can hear the gospel. You can get them books and biographies of great saints of the Lord. You can get books from Billy Graham, from others, that testify in those books to the nature of the gospel and share that with others. Share with them Christian music. Give them a gift that talks and tells them about Jesus Christ. Invite them to come to worship with you when we have the opportunity to do that. But by all means, share the gospel. If we are to make sure that this church grows and stays here. And this, this pertains not only just, by the way, to me being your interim pastor, but it pertains to being with a pastor. The importance is, is that the church continues to witness. You continue to witness. You know, the old adage is that the shepherd doesn't make sheep. Sheep make sheep. You are the sheep and God is calling you to go out and share the gospel message with others. It's that simple. You might say to me, well, why, Brother Steve, do we need to study this? Why do we need to go and talk about this? Isn't this self-evident? Isn't this what the preachers do when they call the sinners to come to Christ? Or whether we have a revival service? And my answer is, yes, that's all important, but Jesus commanded you and me together to share the good news. Brother Steve, as he uh, led us this morning in the opening of our service, read the Great Commission. The Great Commission out of Matthew chapter 28. There's four or five other places, 
by the way, that Jesus gave that great commission. But the middle and the meat of that great commission is to go and make disciples. And people cannot become a disciple of Jesus Christ unless they hear the gospel, unless it's proclaimed to them, shared with them. And I'd like to tell you again this morning, or whenever you're listening to this, to this sermon, if you do not share the gospel, then it stands to reason that the church that you are part of, the family of God that you're part of, will not be able to continue or to grow. We need to have those who will be willing to share the gospel, to see people become disciples of Jesus Christ, to observe them being baptized and joining the church together. That's how it works. Not just our kids, not just our children, but people in the community who desperately need to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I'm simply telling you, that's the way churches grow. They grow because people hear the gospel and God gloriously saves them. So I want to talk with you this morning or whenever you're listening to this, this broadcast or this recording of our message, why we need to go through the, Lord, the Roman road to salvation. I want to go through it with you and explain it to you because this is the gospel and this is what we need to share. So I'm expecting you to get your Bible and we're going to keep our fingers in the book of Romans and go back and forth uh, in the scriptures in the book of Romans to explain how we are to share. If we are to stand in the gaps, we not only need to give and attend and pray and serve, but we also need to share. And that's so important during the time that the church is looking for a pastor. So I want to share with you first a couple of points and we'll walk through this step by step and then conclude with what this means. It may very well be that you've attended church before somewhere or even here at Providence Baptist Church, but you've never really understood this or heard it quite like this. So listen carefully because this is the gospel message and this is the testimony about how we, believers in Jesus Christ, can share the good news. So first of all, I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 3. Now we're in the book of Romans. It's one of the letters of Paul to the various churches. Romans comes right after the book of Acts. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then the book of the Acts of the Apostles, and immediately after that, Romans. You can go there to chapter 3 because we're going to ask the question about the need. Why do we need to share the gospel? Why do we need to be saved? Why do we need to have the good news? And the reason is that God tells us something about ourselves. In Romans chapter 3, I want you to turn to verse 10. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. 
Paul, in writing many different things, quotes out of the Old Testament here, and he says to the people at Rome, there is none righteous, no, not one. Or in the Christian Standard Bible, there is none righteous, not even one. What that means is that I'm not righteous, you are not righteous, no one is sinless or perfect. The only one who was was Jesus Christ. And since God is a holy God, we can't stand before this holy God and we cannot continue in our sins because we will be rejected. The good news is that God made it possible for us to be forgiven of our sins. But the very first important thing we need to realize is that you and I have a need. This is why we need the gospel, why we need to hear the good news. Because as Paul said, let's face it, folks, we're not righteous. Not one of us is. In the same chapter, in verse, in verse 23 of chapter 3, Paul says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, none of us can measure up to God's glory. This is why we are sinners, we are sinners because we're sinful. We've sinned, and none of us are righteous. None of us are perfect. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. If you measure us based on God's character and his holiness, we don't measure up. The reason why all are sinners is found in chapter 5 and verse 12. So turn with me to chapter 5 and verse 12. And this is what Paul said to the church at Rome. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, that's Adam, and death through sin, Adam died because he sinned, in this way death spread to all people because all have sinned. It will do no good for us to blame Adam, blame Eve, blame our parents, Blame someone else. We are all sinners and we all stand in need of the gospel. That's why we need to share the gospel. That's why people need to hear the gospel. That's why they need to be challenged because we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Paul told the church at Rome, secondly, not only was there a need, but there was a consequence. What would happen if we continued in our sin? Somebody might say, okay, hey, I'm just like everybody else, and I'm going to continue in my sin. I don't need God. I don't need you do-gooders. I, I just don't need to worry about it. Well, you need to know that God says that there are consequences. In chapter 6 and verse 23, Paul told the church there at Rome why we need to hear the gospel and what kind of consequences there would be if we didn't hear the gospel and we rejected it. This is what he said in chapter 6, write this down, Romans chapter 6 verse 23, this is the consequence of sin he said, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Do you hear that? The wages of sin is death, separation from God, a life in eternal judgment. But the gift of God is eternal life in fellowship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The challenge is we need to recognize if we continue in sin that that will lead us to death, to separation. It will lead us to eternal damnation. But if we do make a decision, then there is hope and there is encouragement, and that's why it's called good news. Well, how is God going to do this? How is it that uh, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus? What happened to be able to change this? Well, there is a remedy. Remember, there's a need. There's a consequence. The consequence is what happens. The need is why. Well, the remedy shows us how. How did God make it possible for us to be saved. And for that, we need to go to Romans chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 8 and 9. This is what he says. But God proves his own love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we now have been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from wrath. You see, the remedy was Jesus dying on the cross. And he died on the cross by shedding his blood and by giving his life. And through that shed blood, through that life that was given, God accepted the penalty that Jesus paid for us, the penalty that was our penalty. But God loves us. He proved his love by while we should have paid the penalty, Jesus paid it for us on the cross. That's the whole point of the cross. We should have hung there. That was our judgment. The justice would have been done if we had died. But Jesus died on the cross for our sins. This is the remedy. He says, how much more since we have now been declared righteous by his blood will be saved through him from wrath. We are saved through that act of Jesus on the cross. God's mercy, Jesus's love for us, Jesus's obedience to the cross made it possible for us to be saved. The penalty was paid by someone else. It wasn't your parents. It wasn't your ancestors. It was Jesus Christ on the cross who paid the penalty by giving his blood and by giving his body as a sacrifice for our sins. That's the remedy. That's what God did for us. Well, how do we receive this good news? How do we come to understand the good news and the gospel and what salvation is all about. Well, God also told us that through Paul in Romans chapter 10, in part of what we read at the very beginning of the message this morning. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10, and verse 13. 
Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10. So turn with me there in your Bibles. I'll begin again at a little part of 8, verse 8. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. What's the message of faith that he's proclaiming? He said, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. You've got to make him Lord of your life. You've got to make him Lord. He is the sovereign God, the Messiah, the one who paid the penalty on the cross for our sins. And if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. If you believe in Jesus Christ, that he is the Lord of all of life, and that he died on the cross for your sins, Paul says to the people at Rome, you will be saved. Because one believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. You've got to confess that Jesus is Lord, believe on him, receive the salvation that Jesus is willing to give. In verse 13, it says, Paul simply is quoting partly out of the Old Testament, and he says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not might be, not hopefully, but he does say everyone who calls upon the Lord, who receives the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ, they will be saved. You must come to God. You must ask him to forgive you and call upon the name of the Lord. Well, what happens when we do that? The Roman road to salvation isn't finished yet. There needs to be some other things to be thought of and considered. What happens when we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and that he died on the cross for our sins? In chapter 5, verse 1, Paul had already written to the church at Rome and he said, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by our faith, our faith declares us righteous, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus is, is the one who has now connected us with God. He's the one who, if you might say, repaired the bridge, that immense gulf that separated us from God, the gulf of sin and bondage and tragedy and sadness and wickedness. And all of that has now been spanned Carries, we are carried over by the mediator, Jesus Christ, the one who died on the cross. Since we've been declared righteous by faith, that is, by our faith, we now in Jesus can stand before a holy God and be noted as part of his family. When we come to know Jesus Christ, we are brought into God's family because of this. We can have peace, real peace, not what some people call peace, not what possessions, not what fame, not what fortune can bring to us, but real peace that comes in knowing Jesus Christ. In chapter eight, chapter eight in Romans and verse one, this this results, this what happens when we get saved is also reminded uh, given to us by Paul reminding us through the power of the Holy Spirit that there is a result when we come to God 
and he saves us. In chapter 8, verse 1, he says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. You see, before in our sins, we should be condemned and we were condemned. If we continued in those sins, we continued in that condemnation. But now the good news of Jesus dying on the cross has brought us about faith and righteousness. And we are part of God's family. And when we're part of God's family, no one can point the finger at us and condemn us. It's because we don't rely upon our own righteousness. We don't rely upon our own character. We don't rely upon what we have done. But we rely upon who we belong to. We belong to Jesus Christ. And there's no condemnation of us in God's family because Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of our sins and to bring us into a place in the family of God. That's what happens when we become saved. Our sins are forgiven and we become part of God's children. We are part of his family. We begin to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the results of salvation, now no condemnation, brings us peace. And a deepening spiritual character that gives us the ability to reach and to experience life and to be challenged by life with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And that's the total opposite from being lost in bondage to sin. We have eternal life in Jesus Christ, Paul said. Well, how do you know that you are saved? What happens if you ask Jesus into your heart? How would you know if he came into your heart? Well, Paul told the church at Rome that there was another point, an assurance. There was a need, why we need to be saved. There was a consequence, what happens if we aren't. The remedy was Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. The condition is that we come to him in faith and confessing Jesus. The results are that now we are saved and we have no condemnation and we have peace in the family of God. So Paul was wanting to tell them that there's an assurance. In chapter 8 and verse 16, he gave us that insurance. He said this, the Spirit himself, when we come to know Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, the Spirit comes to us. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we belong to God, that we are God's children. And, off, and if children, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Jesus. And we, we are heirs in him in suffering and heirs in him in being glorified. The point is that God gives us assurance through the power of the Holy Spirit that we belong to him. That's the good news. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's what Paul's trying to tell the people at Rome. That's what we need to tell others. Have you confessed your sinful state to, to Jesus? I hope that you have. 
But you've got to ask others, your friends, your families. We need to have courage and to be willing to talk to them. Have you confessed your sinful state to Jesus Christ? Have you believed that Jesus Christ paid the complete penalty for your sins on the cross? When Jesus died on the cross, he gave himself for us completely. And he paid the sins and the penalty completely. Have you asked God to forgive you of your sins by the blood of Jesus Christ? Have you come to him and begged him to forgive you through the power of Jesus and the shed blood of Jesus on the cross? If you haven't done these things, right where you are, I challenge you to take a moment to do that, to say to the Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've done wrong and I need forgiveness. I want you to think about saying to Jesus, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins and for offering me eternal life because of your death and resurrection. Have you asked Jesus to forgive your sins? Have you asked him to help you to turn from them? It doesn't it isn't that you just say, Lord, I'm sorry of my sins. You want to make him Lord so that you turn from those sins. Those sins no longer have power over you. Have you said to Jesus, I now confess you as my Lord and receive you as my Savior and Lord? Have you offered Jesus to take control of your life? Lord Jesus, take control of my life. And make it full and meaningful. I give my life and my heart and all that I am to Lord, to you, Lord. And thank you for saving me. That's what we need to share with others. That's what we need to do. That's what we're called to do in the Great Commission. In proclaiming the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe you remember when you did that. Maybe you don't, and I challenge you today to do it. I pastored a church for a while, and a dear, dear, faithful woman of the church had been coming for years and years and years. And she came to me after the service, and she said, you know, no one has ever really given me the opportunity, <coughs> excuse me, or challenged me to give my heart to Jesus. And right then and right there, she prayed the sinner's prayer and she gave her heart to Jesus. You can pray the sinner's prayer yourself. You can help lead others to pray the sinner's prayer. Now I want you to know that just by praying the prayer doesn't magically make them a Christian. They have to come and kneel at the cross they need to come and give their heart to Jesus Christ. They need to come and meet Jesus. And God saves them. But we need to challenge people to seek Jesus and to pray the sinner's prayer in confessing their sins that God might forgive them. I encourage you, if you've never done this, 
to do it now. I encourage you to share this with friends and family and neighbors and others as we are able to move out of our sheltering at home, as we are able to begin to converse with others and start conversations, by all means, let's make sure that we share the gospel. That's what we need to do to help keep our church growing. That's what we need to do to help keep our church alive. That's what we need to do as a result of the command of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to go and make disciples, to teach them everything that he's commanded us, and to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's our purpose as a church. That's what we're called to do. In Jesus' name, I challenge you to do that as well. Let's pray. Father, I pray that because of, of this study, that we will have individuals who will come to know Jesus because they'll receive him as their Lord and Savior. And we'll have other individuals who will share with their loved ones what it means to know Christ. And those loved ones will come to receive Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. I pray also, Father, that as we put this service on the internet, that there will be people who will watch it, who may not know us and may not even be in this same country or locality, but they too will hear of Christ and the good news and receive him as their Lord and Savior. I pray all these things in Jesus' name, who died on the cross for my sins and for your sins. In his name I pray, amen.